Hi, Do That Well listeners. This is Karen, and we're pulling an episode from our archives. This is uh, actually was in January 2021, and it's called Positive Self-Talk. And of course, the opposite of positive self-talk is our loud inner critic. And it's quite amazing how often we listen to our inner critic more than the positive voice and that Again, that self-compassion, that self-encouragement, that self-motivation. Um, so how are you doing on negative self-talk these days? And have a listen and just remind yourself that to fuel your soul with really good, good conversations with yourself that are healthy. Welcome to Do That Well. I'm your host, Brenda Brown, and with me, my dear friend, Karen Thrall. Today on Do That Well, we are going to talk about negative self-talk and the self-critic. If you've been following along, you know that the last few episodes were about goals and setting intentions, and something we noticed we did refer to a lot was how negative self-talk and the self-critic that we all have can really get in the way and can hinder us when it comes to reaching our goals and setting our intentions. So we wanted to spend some more time with this and really talk about what does negative self-talk look like in the self-credit? How does that manifest itself within ourselves? And then once we know that it's there, what do we actually do about it? How can we combat our negative self-talk and how can we combat our self-credit so that it is not something that gets in our way when it comes to achieving our goals? So to kick us off... We wanted to just start with, well, what does self-talk sound like? You know, how does it manifest itself in us? Mm-hmm. Um, Karen, I know you have some really good examples lined up. I, uh, I did do a little bit of a search, and then I also started uh, remembering some of the NLP training. And I, I want to shout out to Jim McNeish again because he was the one who introduced me through I went to his seminars and he introduced me to all this neurolinguistic programming and I ate it up I was a sponge so when we were prepping for a negative self-talk I went oh and I pulled out all my notes from from the NLP and it's called a meta model and Richard Bandler you know there there's some really great um practitioners who who have done studies on it but before I do that I, there are some normal phrases that are common common phrases uh, so when you are in a goal and let's say you there's a glitch or you do something not quite that doesn't really help you reach your goal you'll might say phrases like there's no use uh, I can't do it I'll never follow through you know, I'm not consistent or I you know, I give up too quickly or I lose interest. Um, others are better than me, than I am. So you might go into the comparison, which we'll talk about later. Uh, I am not enough for this goal. I got to be perfect for the goal. For the goal to really happen, I need to be perfect. Um, my my way of doing it doesn't matter. And never, nothing ever changes. See, all, all those, those are common negative phrases that we have and we know uh, no, no, no. <laughs> as soon as we enter those kind of negative phrases, we're, we're, we're diffusing, we're, we're losing the momentum and we're going to get discouraged. And eventually that could keep us from actually even trying again. So 
we're when Brenda and I were when you and I were talking about this, we're like, you know, we're, we're probably gonna have to revisit that negative self talk because I think that's way more common in people than than we admit. And I know for me personally in my life, it happens, as I mentioned, when I play golf, I have to really silence the negative self-talk, but you can't just silence it. You have to replace it. We have to learn how to replace it, to just silence it. You got to fill the void with something that's way more empowering for you. Right. And even hearing you, you know, give those examples I can think of so many times that I've had one of those thoughts or those narratives when it comes to doing something, this idea that, well, I'm not going to be good enough or it's going to be too hard or I don't have this skill set. And like you said, it is so common for us to go there. I, It's kind of crazy, actually, <laughs> how our brains just immediately find these reasons that we can't do something. I, I know as a child growing up, um, there was something about not wanting to be in the limelight and not wanting attention drawn to myself. And one of my earliest memories is, I think it was the second grade, and we were learning how to do um, imp improv or imp improv speaking. And we had to pull a topic out of the hat. We had a few minutes to think on it, and then we had to give like a 30-second conversation about this topic and mine was what do I want to be when I grow up and the courage to at that time like many grade two people I wanted to be an actress <laughs> and at that time I you know I went up to the class and I said I when I grew up I want to be an actress and hearing the words come out of my mouth I was mortified I ran back to my desk. I put my jacket over my head and I hid my face from the class. In that moment, I convinced myself I felt stupid. I convinced myself that was a stupid thing to do and people are going to laugh at me for saying it. And who do I think I am to say I'm going to, I'm going to be an actress? All that in that little tiny girl's mind. And that was negative self, a negative self-critic. And I, I remember I, I didn't get out from under my jacket. And I remember the teacher saying, class, let's continue. You know, let Karen be, whatever. But that was a very real emotion of, of my first experience with negative self, being a negative, having a, a self-critic, a negative self-critic in me. And, and so when I think of through your whole life, I, I, can, I could probably tell you one after another after another when do we talk about it? When do we go, we pull together as a community. And again, we want to relate and we want to connect with the people listening. We have to pull together and silence these negative thoughts that we create for ourselves. Nobody said that to me. I said that to me. And that was it. That was done. And it does affect, it is going to influence how you view the world and how you mature and how you grow. Yeah. And I really like that you just pointed out it. it is within us, right? Nobody else is coming at us and telling us we're not doing good enough. I mean, you actually make me think of a memory that I have when I was in college and I was doing a dance audition and I 
got so nervous and I convinced myself I wasn't going to be able to meet this prompt for the dance audition. So I actually went to the person holding the audition and I said, you know what? I actually think I'm just going to go home. I don't know how to do this. I don't feel confident doing this. Like it's, it's okay. I don't need to be in this dance audition anymore. Like, thank you for your time. And then she just looked at me and said, just try it. Don't leave. Just try. She said, whatever you can do, that's going to be good enough. And so that's a perfect example about how it was all my own negative self-talk. It was all my self-critic telling me I couldn't do this. And the minute I went to the person that I was needing to present this to, and she said, whatever you can do, it's good enough. And that was you know, the push that I needed at that time. But you can see how quickly that inner dialogue just snowballs. Mm-hmm. That whole phrase is, I'm not good enough. I don't deserve it. I, I, I don't deserve it. I'm not good enough. Who do I think I am? Who am I trying to kid? All, all those phrases, before you even, even try, we've, we, dis, we self-disqualify. So here you are in college you have dance training, you have the passion for it. And while we were prepping this whole thing of um, that we, it's all heart and talent, that people, people would rather choose someone with all heart and some talent than choosing all talent and some heart or all talent and no heart. We remember that. We have to remember that. I need to remember that. You need to remember that. The people listening, remember, when you're all heart, it's worth going after. When your heart is in it, you, it's worth the mistakes. It's worth worth the embarrassment, if there's going to be embarrassment. It's worth the self-doubt. It's worth the, the, the fear. And um, so it, interesting, this whole thing of I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough to do it, so I, I won't even try. And there's many people who will not even step foot because of the fear of failing or the fear of looking stupid. Won't even they won't even they're paralyzed before they even launch into a goal. And then we need to talk about it. <laughs> Here we are. We are. We're talking about it. And so I know you alluded to comparison a moment ago. And comparison is something that we have talked about in some of our previous episodes. Uh, essentially how we should try to avoid it. We want to avoid comparison. But I do think it's worth bringing up again for this episode because that also plays such a big part in this self-critic, in this negative self-talk. We often find ourselves comparing ourselves to other people or comparing ourselves to a different version of ourselves. Um, And it is, you know, worth saying again that Staying away from comparison is huge when it comes to this this whole negative self-talk thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can, that, that boy, I can go there in my personal life. Think about my career. My career is a coach. And I live in Southern California. And coaches in Southern California, and I don't say this disrespectfully because I am one, we are a dime a dozen. We are everywhere. There are hundreds and thousands of coaches. And, but my heart, my heart wanted so badly for that to be my purpose in life. I knew I wasn't the best. I knew 
there are coaches out there that far surpass me in knowledge, experience, skill, talent, whatever. But my heart was in it. My heart is in it. And that is enough. And, and that was what, what launched me. I'm, my tag for my company is provoking the heart of business. So I knew it was all heart. I was going in with all heart and some talent. But my commitment to the some talent was to become, to grow my talent. My heart was full and I'd never want to. And I, there were times I remember really being discouraged and afraid and and just the next morning waking up and my heart was still alive. My heart still was like, come on, you can do this. We've got to get back in the race. So this thing of all heart and some talent, we need to um, start encouraging each other. But is, is your heart in it? Is your heart in it? My heart's in it. Then some talent is perfectly fine. So think of you in college. Is your heart in this, Brenda? My heart's in this. Then some talent is perfect. Because I can. we can shape someone whose heart's in it. That's moldable. Yeah. No, I, I do. I, I really like the, this phrase, just all, all heart. If you have all heart, then the rest, it really is irrelevant, right? And so this is one way that we can start to combat our negative self-talk and our self-critic is to remind ourselves that if your heart is in it, then the talent isn't as necessary, yeah. right? That's a nice first step. And I wanted to tell everybody, because I know I've already told you, Karen, but and as we were prepping for this episode, (laughs) I came across a Psychology Today article, and it broke down combating your negative self-talk and your self-critic into four steps. And I thought that they were really tangible steps that are very practical, so I wanted to share those with everybody. So... The first step is to notice your critic. So you have to notice it. You have to notice that you're doing it. You're self-criticizing or having negative self-talk. And the second part was to then separate the critic from yourself. I really liked this. It suggested giving the critic a name because it can add a sense of, you know, levity you could even give it a really silly name so that then when you notice your critic and you you find that it's there, then you can be like, go away, Sally. No, no. I don't. That's a horrible <laughs> self-critic name. Or maybe it's a good one because you want a name that doesn't make any sense and you don't want it there. <laughs> Do you remember when you said about your friend who had the knee injury? Oh, yes. There was a friend who had a Yes, that, that, that's. I thought that was really clever, really cute. Yeah, yeah so I, I have a friend and she had a knee injury and she had named it in a very endearing name, Rod Knee. And so anytime her knee was acting up, she would say like, <laughs> go away, Rodney, you're not wanted here. So this is the same idea, right? We need to do this with our self-critic. <laughs> the third step was then to talk back to the inner critic. So, you know, tell it that you know it's a liar, that you want to choose to be kind to yourself instead, that you don't need the self-critic's feedback. You don't need it around, which is why having a name is especially important. (laughs) And then the last step was then to replace the critic. So strengthen your inner voice. Act as if that inner voice is your best friend and not the self-critic, the negative Mm -hmm. self-talk. 
you know, you have to rewire and notice the good and the positive. So obviously that's all much easier said than done, but I really liked that outline. It makes me think of uh, two visuals. So the whole ego and id, how there, within the, there's an ego and an id, or the, the little devil and the little angel on the shoulders. And you see them in like uh, cartoons where the, the devil go, hey, ha, ha, and the angel go, now, now. <laughs> and I think too that what I'm hearing you saying is when you replace the critic, to just acknowledge that there's an inner critic and call that critic, you know, uh, I don't know. I, I'm trying to think of a name that does it. So critic A, you know, critical. Okay, you're critical, whatever. And, and but you are, you're my optimist. So you're my pessimist and you're my optimist. When you acknowledge that the critic's speaking and you go, okay, pessimist, okay, Debbie Downer, or okay, Eeyore, you know, I need some Tigger. You, it's still important to replace that critic with the Tigger. I just figured it out. Eeyore and Tigger. Okay, I got some names. <laughs> so so if, you're, if your Eeyore is, oh, I don't even know if that's right, because Eeyore doesn't criticize. He's just, he's not critical. So we have our pessimists, we have our optimists, and we have these voices in us. And when the pessimist takes over, the, the optimist needs to come in and challenge that. I cannot, I, I'll never be able to do this. What won't you ever be able to do? What is this? I'll never be able to play golf well. Have you ever played golf well? Do you, do you have any memory? How about a putting? Yeah, oh yeah, I've I've putted really well. So that time, technically you're wrong. Technically that's not true that you'll never play golf. Well, this whole thing of replacing that negative voice and challenging it, being very specific. What exactly are you afraid of? Why, why, where did you, where did you learn that you're not good enough? Where does that come from? What proof do you have? It does this happen all the time. All that really challenging that negative voice so that you can replace it with something that, that empowers you and lifts you up and builds you and gets you back in the race and you stand back up and you brush the dirt off your knees. And you're like, yes. all right, I'm going to keep going. So I, I love that. I love that thing about finding the name for your, your negative, but also maybe find a name for the positive yes. too. Like yes, yes, a thousand times. Yeah. Well, we're going to go with this idea of the little men, on, the little people on your shoulder. I, I love this visual. I love the visual of, you know, the, the self-critic is, as you said, it's like the little devil or a little demon, whatever. Yeah. And then you have your, your more malevolent, is that the right word? Uh, you know, your nice spirit, sprite, whatever, <laughs> on my shoulder here. <laughs> I'm, for those of you who are listening, I'm sorry, there's a lot of hand gestures going on. Um <laughs> But I, I do, I think that the visual of having your critic on one side and then your the inner voice that's the positive inner voice on the other side. And I do think, Karen, as you said, we should name that one too so that they can really create a dialogue. I love what you just said, that when that negative self-critic starts to come up, you notice it, you're going to start talking back to it, but to be inquisitive of it. I really like that, that the positive self-talk, the positive part of us gets to, you know, be inquisitive of the negative self-talk. Well, why do you have that thought? Have have you ever done something and it's gone well? Why do you think it's going to go wrong this time? I think that's a really nice way to create a dialogue within yourself. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. having curiosity. 
And, you know, going back, adding that, uh, I remember the first time, and I've said this, shared this before, but these are memories that have shaped me. There are memories that were crossroads in my life where I had to make a decision to keep going or to give up. And definitely, without a doubt, I, I believe from my personal life, I've had many crossroads where I had to choose either I keep going or I give up. I, either I keep going or I walk away. And what would what would consume my thoughts is what if I regret walking away? What if I regret not trying again? What if I regret that I gave up so soon on this goal? What would happen if I didn't? And I would listen to people, older people who've walked the life and, and tell them to always try, always try. So we think of the goal. So to the people listening, what is that goal that we've talked about this so much on our podcast that is an ache inside you? What is the goal that you are talking yourself out of? And when you get to that line, are you going to stand back up or are you going to walk away? So the first time I I spoke to a group of college students, it was not that good. I was really nervous. And I could have at that point said, I can't do this. I can't do this. And what's really cool about NLP is if I said in an NLP uh, session, if I said I can't do this, the question is, are you saying you can't do this? Are you saying you won't engage in doing this? What is it right now? So you think of you college dancing. I can't do this or I'm afraid to engage in this moment right now and start dancing. Most of the time, we're afraid to engage in this moment right now to take that step. And we we, tell, we convince ourselves it's, it's safer to say, I can't do something than to say, I don't want to engage right now. I don't want to engage with this right now. And that whole conversation, you know, you were saying, so this whole, all our heart is in it. We've got these two people that get to wrestle. They get to challenge each other. And even friend to friend. You know, that the, when you go to somebody and you say, hey, I have a strong negative self-critic, um, I'd like you to be my, 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 my angel on my shoulder. Um, I just, I need to learn how to not be a negative self-critic anymore. I need to replace it to positive and, and I need that support from my friends. That's really important. Yeah. I think that's that is a really nice reminder that we can reach out to our friends too. I mean, if we can find the strength within us, amazing. That's that's what we all want. We want to be able yeah. to do this for ourselves. But it is okay to ask for help as well, and it is okay to to lean on your friends and communicate with them. And your friends are there to support you. They they want you to be happy. And I can almost guarantee you that if you t- ask your friends. Or if you tell them I have a negative self-critic, can you help me? Can you be my hype man? Nine times out of 10, they're going to say yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll, we'll leave some room yeah, for error true. just in case. But mm-hmm. I think it's, you know, <laughs> I, know, I know that I have my, a friend, um, shout out to Kelsey. She's, she's my hype man. And she will literally tell me these things. Sometimes we'll be texting and She'll say, remember, I'm your hype man. So if you need some words of encouragement, I'm here for you. And she'll send me little, you know, cute little gifts of people dancing and things like that. And it really does, like, just hearing her say 
I'm your hype man. You've got this. I'm here if you need positive words of encouragement. Like, it makes such a difference for me. Just knowing that I have that and that I have someone that can be my cheerleader. How did you come up with that? Where did the phrase come from, the hype man? I think she started it actually one day because I was talking about something that I was not feeling really confident about. And she was just like, well, you've got this. I'm here for you. I'll be your hype man. And she just kind of, she just, she went with it. So I'm going to leave that, you know, as I said, shout out to Kelsey. That was a great yeah. <laughs> game changer for me to get my own it's hype so man. Cool. It's so cool. That, yeah, and it's so cool that she uh, enlisted herself. Like she became the designated. She just chose to be that for you. You didn't even have to ask. She goes, oh, no, I got your back. I got this. I'll be your cheerleader. And she, and the, see all the heart. That was all heart. That was all heart that she was, she saw that you were all heart and she went, no, I got, I got, I got your heart. I, I'm going to, I've got your back. So that's like so cool that she recognized in you and she's propping you up to the point where she says, you'd let me know and I'll send you, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll get your spirits up again. You know, I think that's, that's fantastic. That, that's a beautiful, a beautiful yeah. uh, imagery of, of how we are to be with each other. I got real lucky with that one. <laughs> um, Karen, did you want to share a few more of your examples before we wrap up? I know we're reaching the end of our our talk here, but you had some really good examples, and I was hoping you would share a few more with us. Yeah, the, um, I think that some of the again, it comes from the meta model. Uh, there's a it's called a mental filter. And one person will criticize you or speak something negative to you or you feel judged and that's it. That's it. It overpowers all the great things other people say. And it's a mental filter and you can't shake it. It stays with you. And it almost affirms what you're already fearing. And so you latch go see. And, and we hang on to that one critical thought when there's 999 positive thoughts. That's one of the reasons when you were talking, what I liked about your article that you talked about was to silence that voice, that pessimist, because it's one thought. It's one criticism. And you look at all how far you've come, how much you've accomplished, all the hard work, your heart is in it. That You took a baby step. You took a leap, you took a chance, and one critical voice can knock you out, takes the wind out of your sail. I know for me, when those times happen, because they do happen, not on, on some topics and on other topics, they don't, but there's some topics where it does trigger. And I do say it, I, the wind's knocked out of my sail. I, I, it, that's, it's that strong where I just... You know, the ever-ready bunny just, oh, my battery just shut off. So that's one to pay attention to. When Ask yourself, when you receive a criticism from somebody else, who else has said that to you? How many more examples do you have of that from other people? If it's just that one person and you go, well, it's just that person, but they've said to me, they say it to me all the time, then you may want to question the, the intimacy level of that relationship. 
Is that a healthy relationship? And if you go, well, actually, it just was that one time. You're 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 actually confronting a fear, and you're confronting something inside you that needs to stop. That criticism should not have that kind of power over you. One criticism nullifies 99 positives. No, that's not, those kind of words should not have power over you. So to even call it, I'm having a mental filter right now. That one stuck. Say it. That criticism stuck. I can't, I can't let go of it and tell somebody, challenge it. So that's one example. I like that one. I do. I like that one as well. And the reason I really like these examples that you have is when we think back to this four-step process that we were talking about, you know, noticing the critic, separating yourself from the critic, talking back to the critic and replacing the critic. I think in that second or in the very first step, the noticing the critic, if you have some of these go-tos that you know, then it makes it that much easier to name. So as you said, then you can notice it and say, oh, that's that's the mm-hmm. mental filter. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I think giving something a name allows you to be able to process it and mm-hmm. move through it. Mm-hmm. Another one I really like is emotional reasoning. Um, when your emotions uh, show up, that's evidence that it's true. I feel it, therefore it's true. And it's called emotional reasoning. Just because you feel it does not mean it's true. Yeah, but I, I have a sense or a gut or I, you know, but it really affected me. Oh, I got chills or it's a sign. I'm not supposed to. Those That's an emotional reasoning. My emotions are now involved. Therefore, it's truth. Well, that's not <laughs> that's not necessarily accurate. So when, when you start having emotions and your emotions take charge and they lead the way, you can do that thing again and go, so emotional reasoning has just showed up. You believe you're right. Prove it. Prove, prove with facts that your feelings are accurate. Show me examples. Give me examples that back up your emotions right now. Well, I'm just stressed out. Yes, but I want, I want real examples that back the feelings that you're having. And when, and then when you, when you, when you start to go from feelings to thinking, it, you're going to diffuse those emotions and then just have a healthier lens on your goals, on your self-critics. So, cause some of us have emotional critics. We have emotional self-criticism. We may, uh, we may, um, just get moody or, uh, we get defensive or we feel hurt or, we're tired or we're just stressed out. That's all a very emotional reactions, but it doesn't mean it's true. It just means that you're emotional and that's okay. You're allowed to be emotional. That's okay. But that doesn't necessarily mean what you're, the things you're feeling are accurate. So Yeah. And that's a tricky one because as you said, the emotion itself is okay. Like your feelings are valid. They just might not be true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> right? And as I said, I really think that these examples help us in when we are trying to just notice that critic. I think it's really helpful to have some some baselines and some things that you can reference when you're noticing that for yourself. Mm-hmm. Well, that is all the time that we have for today. This is a really big topic and there's so much more here. I mean, we could probably do five episodes alone on negative self-talk and the self-critic, but we wanted to just do a broad strokes, 
you know, dive into this about who, not who, but what is negative self-talk? How does it manifest itself in ourselves? And then some steps that we can take to try and make that self-talk, self-critic diminish and continue to empower and grow the positive critic, the positive self-talk. Thank you for joining us today and join us next week for a new topic that may or may not still be related to goals. We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening.